You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Amen. Well, hey, uh, as, as most of you know, we've been working our way this summer through our Summer in the Psalm series. I know it's been a blessing to me. I hope and pray it's been a blessing to you as well. Uh, we got a very special guest with us today. He's probably a familiar guest for, for many of you. He's been with us a, a number of times now, but he's going to lead us on uh, through this Summer in the Psalm series today. Please welcome Pastor Bob <laughs> Lehman with us today. <laughs> hey, Josh, before you're going down, I didn't do this in the other services and stuff, but you know, I, I get around, you know, and uh, you know, sometimes, you know, especially when we have three services, you know, a worship team can just kind of call it in. And, and Josh, don't leave yet, man. <laughs> man, what a dear bro. You know, I mean, really, the thing is, you mess with me because you play left-handed. You know, and that just messes my brain and yeah, stuff. But, so but you just need, let, give it up for the worship team, guys. I mean, really, what an amazing time, man. That's, that's so true, so true. Hey, today I'm going to talk about an obscure psalm. One that you've never heard of before, Probably. But I wanted to just extract it out of 150 psalms and just kind of open it up for you. It's the 23rd psalm. Never heard of it before, I'm sure. But because we hear it all the time, sometimes the familiarity kind of breeds contempt. Not that you're contemptuous for the psalms, but it may lose its impact. It may lose the gotcha that David inspired by the Spirit of God, poured into the 23rd Psalm. Talks about sheep. Talks about a shepherd. And the fact we're talked about as sheep, but we're not sheep, but we're like sheep. And there's something about that Psalm that just resonates in all of our hearts. It, It does. You know, that's one of the reasons why the 23rd Psalm is the most worn out page on a paper Bible. Because it's the Psalm we kind of go to when things aren't going well. You've heard it, whether you grew up in church world or not. You've heard that when you went to a, to a funeral, 23rd Psalm, okay. Or you as a kid memorized that it's only six verses. And even if you didn't memorize it, you remembered portions of it. There's something cathartic about the 23rd Psalm. Maybe some of it is because every generation of all times can identify with sheep. You and I can identify with sheep. Every culture can visualize a tender shepherd caring for sheep. But you need to know that shepherding has never been a real honored profession throughout the history of the globe. As a matter of fact, it was given to those that were less than others. Usually the youngest in a family was the one who was designated to tend the sheep. And you know that was true of David. You know, it was also true of Joseph. It was true of of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David. They're all shepherds. And so we can kind of identify with some of the stuff that David writes in the 23rd Psalm. And one of the main things that he says just from the get-go, you ready? Is that God is a shepherd. 
I mean, your concept of God may be all sorts of different things and all accurate and correct and all maybe born out of the scriptures. But one thing that the Psalms declare, and particularly the 23rd Psalm, is that our God is a shepherd. So with new ears, maybe with new eyes, here's the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hey, before we even get into this, a couple of things just, boom, jump out at me. And the first one is in the first verse. The word Lord in most translations, it's capitalized, L-O-R-D. Well, translators, when they did that, they did it for a reason, because the word Lord is found in other places. But this particular place is talking about that covenantal name. I said covenantal name. (laughs) No, this covenantal name that God gives Moses. You remember Exodus chapter 3? Yeah, Moses, you know, kind of reluctant. He said, well, you know, I'm going to go to Pharaoh, but what's your name? And this is the name he gives. That's why it's capitalized. Totally cool. It's found over 4,000 times in the Bible. And it's translated in some Bibles, Jehovah. In others, it's translated Yahweh. But you may not know this. This is all extra information here. Did you know that the Old Testament didn't have any vowels in it? All it was was consonants. And it was 800 A.D. when they had the Masoretic text that they decided, "Ah, let's put some, some vowels in there. So we're not exactly sure how it was pronounced. It could have been Jehovah. It more likely was Yahweh. But you know what I like? I like Yahoo. You know, because God is a God of celebration. It could be. We don't know. But it was a very special name. And it meant, I am who I am. Now, out of my generation, that's like Popeye. Popeye, you know, I am who I am. You know, eat some spinach and stuff. That's not it. The idea of I am who I am means that it came from the Hebrew word to be, which literally means I was, I am, and I will always be. That is wrapped up in this covenantal, incredible name, We call Yahweh, the Lord. And that teaches me that God is timeless. Not only has he walked through our yesterdays, he is present in our todays. And you know what? He has seen our tomorrows and he has made provision for those tomorrows. Maybe that's why I love this psalm. Because we're living in a day and age, folks. You and I don't have a clue what's going to happen tomorrow. Never has there been a time in our culture where things are so up in the air. 
I mean, in terms of debt, in terms of future, and all, it's crazy. So I just want you to know, I'm preaching out of a place that I've been camping here for the last few months. Because I need to remember, my Lord has seen the future. And he's made provision for it. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> I get so excited about this stuff. This is so cool. The Lord's a shepherd, right? Old Testament, New Testament. Absolutely. In fact, the Lord is the shepherd. Old Testament or New Testament. In fact, this is in the New Testament. The Lord is the chief shepherd. But there's a word here in these six verses that I really love. And it's only this big. It's the personal pronoun, my. You see, he's my shepherd. Hey, let that wash over you, baby. Wow. He's my shepherd. And the New Testament declares Jesus saying, he is my good shepherd. So what I want to do in the time we've got here is I want to kind of meld together what Psalm 23 says about shepherd and sheep. And then what the New Testament, John 10, what Jesus says about himself being the good shepherd. You with me? Hey, even if you're not, you're not going to leave. Peer pressure's too great on you. So this message, I'm going to wrap around three questions. And there are three questions all of us need to have answered, I think. The first one is this. Well, if God is a good shepherd, if Jesus is a good shepherd, what does a good shepherd do? That's legit. Well, in John chapter 10, verse 11, it says this. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Whoa. That's a good shepherd. He's going to take one for me. He's going to take one for the sheep. Uh, don't just kind of spiritualize this and weird out on it. That, that's pretty heavy. In fact, he goes on, he says, I am the good shepherd. And you know what that implies? It implies that there are shepherds that aren't good. Think about it. He declares, I'm the good shepherd. That declares, that says something, that there are those that are not good. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 1, it says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a, say it with me, what? A thief and a robber. He's a thief and a robber. Now, he's talking about a spiritual enemy. We have an enemy, and his name is Satan. Now, you may not be part of church world, okay? Okay? And the idea of a spiritual enemy is weird, and it is freaky. It's like a poorly made B-movie about vampires. I get that, okay? You know, that, that kind of thing. But whatever you think about Jesus, you have to add this to the list, that he believed in a spiritual enemy that was set against God and against God's people. So add that to your list of what you think about when you think about Jesus. I'm not making it up. It's right here. And you and I would have to be idiots 
My wife just left. She was here for the second service. I can't use that word idiot at home, so I, I feel really free right now. <laughs> You'd have to be an idiot to not admit that there is evil in this world destroying a lot of things that matter to God. A lot of people are sick. A lot of families are falling apart. A lot of marriages aren't what they need to be. A lot of kids are making bad decisions. And I believe personally that the root of that is found by a shepherd who's not so good. And Jesus describes him as a thief, as a robber. But then he parallels that with John chapter 10, verse 10, when he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, the good shepherd dude, I came that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. So let's be clear. Jesus is the good shepherd. And who are we according to the metaphor? We're the uh, yeah, we're the sheep, right? Okay. Let's take a little bit of a break here. <laughs> I just love this. Sheep are talked a lot about in the, in the Bible. Did you know that? Sheep are mentioned over 200 times in the Bible. Tons, more than any other animal. You might be interested to know the dogs are mentioned 44 times in the Bible. You might be interested, cats are never mentioned in the Bible. I'm just saying. Well, wait, wait a minute. You know, a lion is talked about, you know, in the kind of the cat family. But then it says that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I see the parallel there? No, I, I don't know. <laughs> you cat lovers are just, you've already turned it off. You're, you're not listening to another word I say, okay? I. Let's go back to the sheep. Here's the deal. Sheep, you and me, are the dumbest animals on the planet. You know, you've, you've, you know, you've heard messages about that. You know that. Pastor Ryan has probably shared some things. But they're the dumbest animals in the world. If you ever go to a circus, and I still have them around, you'll find trained horses. You'll find trained dogs. Never find trained cats. But, you know, but you'll never find trained sheep. Because they're dumb. They don't learn and so on. They, they just don't. You, you can't train a sheep to play dead unless you shoot it. And that trick only works once. They're dumb. Okay, they're, they're dumb. And so I just need to say, with all the love of Jesus that I can muster, you are dumb. And so am I. There's this affiliation between you and I and sheep. So now you're going to understand the 23rd Psalm, hopefully a little better, because we're going to answer the second question. What do sheep do? If he's our good shepherd, what do they do? What do sheep do? Here, here's the, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, Everybody runs to get their pencil. Yeah. Here's number one. Sheep get lost easily. Like I said, my wife is in the second service. She would, she would amen that one. 
You know, I can get lost backing out of my driveway without a GPS. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. Sheep get lost very easily. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's a verse. And it's a verse you've probably heard in one way or another because it's a huge verse talking about our salvation and what Jesus has done. It says this, Isaiah 53, verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned, or we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, oh, isn't that interesting? It's all capitalized. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It was incredibly common for sheep to walk away from the sheepfold, where all the sheep are, to pursue something that would make them happy. This was common. And they'd go out there to pursue whatever that is. And the further away they got from the shepherd, the more lost they would become. Do you get the parallel here? I don't know about you. I'm just being honest with you. I pursue a lot of things that I think are going to make me happy. And then I'll say the question that you've said too. Usually several weeks later. How did I get here? And more importantly, how do I get back? I'm like a sheep, and so are you. There's a second thing. What sheep do, or don't do, sheep are defenseless. They are absolutely interesting to me to think about. Almost every other animal in the whole animal kingdom and stuff has some form of defense, okay? You know, even a cat will claw your eyes out when you try to pet them, but I digress. <laughs> you know, just so you know, my major is zoology. I was going into veterinary medicine. I decided to go into ministry because cats, never mind. <laughs> Some animals can kick, some animals can fly away, some can, can run really, really, really fast, some blend into the environment. Sheep can't do anything. They're defenseless. So here it is, a warning of a bad joke. Go with me. You attack a sheep, what can they do? They can't do anything except back up. Hey, you guys at least respond a little bit better. You know? <laughs> Here's the deal. We, like sheep, are very vulnerable. What are we vulnerable to? Well, since we were talking in John chapter 10, the evil one who wants to steal, who wants to destroy, we're vulnerable to believing the lies that our culture and this world, and in particular, the thief and the destroyer, want to tell you. I'm a news junkie. Some of you guys are too. Nothing will get you depressed faster. It just does. One of my friends was an anchor for one of the television stations and stuff. Christian, neat guy. This was years ago. He <laughs> says, how do you do that? You know, all the negative news. He says, well, actually, I take my copy home, and that becomes my prayer list. I said, good move, man. We're vulnerable to all the lies and all the culture. 
What's the third thing that sheep do? Sheep are stubborn. Sheep are stubborn. Will you look at the person next to you and will you say, I think he's talking about you? Would you do that right now? Okay, those of you who didn't, I told you you were stubborn. <laughs> You're not going to do anything just because some dude tells you to do it and stuff, and I, I absolutely get it, okay? You know, that's just it. We're stubborn, we're dumb, and we keep on tending to do the same thing over and over and over again. You know, I was in college ministry for years and all that kind of stuff. I had a gal, you know, and she, she would come and she would say, you know, I always get the bad guys in my life. All the bad guys tend to come to me. And I said, well, hon, you're fishing with the wrong bait and you're doing it over and over and over again. We tend to be very stubborn. This is the way I do it. This is the way I am. In fact, have you ever used that yourself? I'm sorry, but that's just the way I am. Which makes my point. We're all there. This is not new information for any of us. The reason we kind of giggle is because we say to ourselves, oh yeah, 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 I got that one. Here's a fourth one. What do sheep do? <laughs> they are filthy. They are filthy. Hey, Google it. <laughs> they are the most filthy animal. And you, you say, well, wait a minute. I've seen these white, fluffy sheep on TV. I guarantee you they were blow-dried before they were on TV. Because sheep, by nature, just get dirty because they got all this cotton around them and stuff. And it just collects dirt. And it's horrible. And they, they, they kind of smell uh, they don't have the ability to clean themselves, and they won't do that. And I've got to say, as respectfully as I can, that is the way we are in the eyes of God on our own. Outside of a good shepherd, outside of Jesus Christ, this is exactly who we are. And the Bible calls that harmatano or harmatia. We're sinners separated from God and all the good stuff we do is like dung that's the clean word in church world but it's true it's true the bottom line is folks you and I we need a shepherd and we need a savior we need Jesus and without him we are vulnerable 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 to the lies of the evil one which brings us to the third question what difference does the good shepherd make if all these things are true about who sheep are and so on, and we have this affinity and we're like them and so on, then what difference does a good shepherd make? Let me suggest some things, because you're all taking copious notes right now. Number one, a good shepherd guides. He guides. You know, right, just, you know, for me right now, would you all just say this right now? The good shepherd guides. You ready? Go. The good shepherd guides. He guides. It says in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. It goes on. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's 
sake. The Lord guides. The good shepherd guides. Have you ever found yourself having to make a big decision in your life and you, you just don't know where to turn? You don't know what to do? I'm convinced that when you seek God and lean into him, he begins to reveal himself. He begins to guide you and me on those decisions that we need to make. You know, it says in John chapter 10, verse 3 and then verse 4, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls, listen, his own sheep by name and leads them out. And now listen to this, verse 4. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, not behind him, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, wait for it, for they know his voice. Boy, I just got shivers. It's serious. They follow him because, the word for is a connective word in Greek. They follow, and the connection is because they hear his voice. Some of you might say, you know, I, I don't know the voice of God, Bob. I, I mean, are you talking like God just speaks audibly to you, Bob? Well, there may be times. I don't know, maybe it has to, to you. But more often, God speaks through his word. You can hear him every day in his word. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through other people. He speaks through your small group. He speaks in a variety of ways. And the sheep who know him hear his voice in those moments. Now somebody say, you know, hey Bob, I just don't know his voice. I don't, I don't know his voice. I don't even know what you're talking about. There's one of two reasons why you might not know his voice. And I'm going to tell you kind of a story as an example. Imagine you walk into a room with about 50 women and they're all talking because that's what they do. Boy, that's not PC. By the way, you walk into a room with 50 men, nobody's talking because they're all watching the game, but that's another thing. <laughs> so you walk into a room, women are talking and so on, and my wife is in there. And I would ask you, do you recognize her voice? You say, well, no, I can't. And the reason is one of two things. Either you don't know her, or you've haven't spent enough time to recognize her voice. But I guarantee you, if you were to blindfold me and throw me into that room, it wouldn't be long before I said, ah, that's it. That's her voice. Because I know her and I've spent time with her. We have a good shepherd. And if you're one of his sheep, he knows and calls you by your name. And if you're not recognizing, you may not know him, 
or at this point in your life, you just haven't hung with them long enough to hear him. You know, before COVID, they used to have, uh, you know, big high school, college graduations. They kind of came back this year a little bit more. And you have this long list of names and tons and tons. They start calling off these names one by one. And you hear a name and family and friends across the auditorium. They, they start to scream. And you figure, you know, boy, she's really popular, you know. And then, and then there's another name and one or two people clap. You know, you feel kind of bad for them. And you wait and you wait and you wait for your friend, your son, your daughter's name to be read. And then you scream, you yell, you clap, you try to outdo everyone else. Hearing that name changes everything. And I just think that's how it is here. My sheep hear my voice. I call them by name. So if you have a difficult decision to make, should I take this job? Should I keep on dating this person? Should, should I try to have more kids? Should I be part of a church or not? And stuff. And when I'm making a decision, I always tell God, Jesus, you're the good shepherd. You're the guide. That's your job. I want to listen to your voice. And because you're in front of me, I want to follow. Hey, another thing that a good shepherd does, ready? He provides. And I can see you all writing feverishly to write down the word, he provides. I'm just sick with sarcasm today. You notice that? I'm sick. (laughs) Our good God is a good shepherd who provides. Psalm 23, here we go again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I love the imagery. You know, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, how often do you see a sheep lying down? Probably you and I, we don't see them very much. But what you may need to know that there are three things that have to take place before a sheep will lie down in a green pasture. First of all, they have to be well-fed. Secondly, they have to be getting along or else they won't lie down. And third, they need to feel safe or they won't take the rest. But in the presence of a good shepherd who leads us to green pastures, you're well-fed because you're in the presence of God. He tends to break up fights and helps people to get along. And I believe that some of you in this room here, you need a good shepherd to come into your house. Help bring some healing, some some forgiveness in relationships. And when the good shepherd is present, people tend not to be afraid. So the rest. Have you ever been so stressed out, all you wanted to do was this? I know it's a need because it comes up on my Apple Watch. Breathe. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. I wonder why they think I need to be reminded. It goes on to say, he leads me beside quiet waters. Why quiet waters? Because if there's rushing waters, sheep won't drink. And you know the reason why? 
is because often they would fall in and they will become a big giant cotton ball and drowned. The water has to be still, has to be placid. And Jesus describes himself in John 4 as the living water. Once we drink of him, we will never thirst again. He quenches the inward thirst so we can be at rest. Goes on and says, he restores my soul. And I love this. He's such a good provider. He doesn't just provide materially. He doesn't just provide physically. He provides a restoration of my soul. And some of us here in the room, we got everything on the outside. We do. We got a great family. We got money. We got all sorts of stuff. We really provided for. But your soul is not at rest. And you came here today not knowing what God was going to say. But in the quietness of your heart and soul right now, there is this voice that says, I need rest. I need a soul rest. And God is our provider. He'll do that. The good shepherd does that. The third thing is he corrects. <laughs> Everybody say this. My shepherd corrects. You ready? My shepherd corrects. Oh, man. You guys are really good at that not this may not seem like good news if you're a sheep that tends to be wandering but it really is good news because the shepherd loves you and sheep sometimes need to be corrected you know that if you're a parent in fact intuitively we all know that Job said this blessed is the one whom God corrects can you imagine him saying that? Oh, man, I'm really blessed. It goes on and says, So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. I read this article some time ago about loving shepherds, what they would do for a little lamb that would wander off. You already know this story. I'm just refreshing your memory. And if a lamb continued to wander off, a good shepherd would come. And you know, it says the rod and the staff. The rod was kind of like a half of a nunchuck, okay? This is going to sound gross, but they would break the little lamb's leg. I mean, that sounds really loving, doesn't it? But the rest of the story is the shepherd would bind up the leg. And then carry the lamb on his shoulders. That's the picture you've seen before. And what happens? Every day, the shepherd and that lamb were together. And that lamb began to hear and recognize that voice. So when he healed, and the lamb was on its own, it didn't want to wander so much. Isn't that totally awesome? Yeah. That's what God does for us. It sounds cruel, but it's not. Now, let's be honest. No one sits around and says, oh, I think God has disciplined me. Oh, this is going to be good. Sock it to me. You know, give it to me. I've disciplined my kids as I were growing up, and I never heard them say, oh, praise the Lord, Dad, you know, great. Maybe he'll spank us too, you know. They, you know. No. 
No discipline ever is pleasant at the time. But it produces a harvest. Stay with me for just a minute. I'm running a little late. Poor Josh. The fourth thing is he protects. And I love this probably as much as any. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because my good shepherd is with me. For you are with me. Nothing is more beautiful than that. I can go into difficult times. You can go into difficult times. I'll bet there have been times, whether you've ever gone to church or not, where you kind of whispered, oh God, I'm going through something. I need you. That's what David was saying here. Verse 5 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You may not know this because the sheep were so dirty, so stanky, that flies would come and congregate on their eyes and in their nose. They would go up the nose. They would you know, put larvae in there, and the larvae would make their way up to the brain, and then they'd die. You know, I mean, it, was, it was bad. So you know what a shepherd would do? They put oil and a salve over the heads of the sheep. It was like insect repellent. Oh, yeah, but anointing of oil sounds very spiritual. They did that with David, you know, and leadership and all that. Well, maybe. I think it was just practical. A loving shepherd takes care of a sheep. My cup overflows. It was a tradition in the Old Testament. If you came to visit me in my house, my responsibility as a host was to keep the cup filled. As long as I was filling your cup, you were welcome. But if I stopped, that was a clue. Time to go home. And this is a picture of God saying to you, you're always welcome. (laughs) You're always welcome here. I don't care what you've done. God says you're welcome. You're welcome. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. All the days of my life I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm done, but I'm going to just share one story. A drama professor was trying to teach drama and stuff to his students and so on and decided to take the 23rd Psalm and with all the drama, all the pomp, read this psalm. That was awesome. It was so good that everybody got up and they clapped. But then he decided to pick on this nerdy guy in the class. Hey, hey, you, come up here. I'd like you to read it now. And this guy, so nervous, comes up there, opens it up, and begins to read it. And as he's reading through it, he kind of gets choked up. By the time he gets to the fourth verse, tears are flowing. He barely gets through all six verses. And the professor says, you just saw something here. I know that psalm. But he knew the shepherd. And for some of us in this room, you know the psalm. But you've got to make sure you know the shepherd. It'll make all the difference in your life. 
Jesus tells a story of leaving 99 sheep to find the one. And you today might be the one that he's looking for. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. We love you. And we're thankful for a teaching here in a familiar psalm that is going to move the dial in our life a little bit closer to you. For those who right now might identify themselves as the one, they haven't heard your voice. For those who have never known you, I ask, Lord, that you would help them pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I know I've blown it, but I now repent. I turn 180 degrees from my sin to you, and I trust you completely as my Lord and Savior. And for those who have wandered away, that know you, but have wandered away, I pray for them as well. Lord Jesus, may they this day turn their eyes on you. A fresh pair of eyes that they might listen and hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.